Good evening. Today is Tuesday, December 14th, and we are studying the big book of alcoholics. This week's chapter is the doctor's opinion, and our speaker tonight is Amy. Wendy S. Wendy S. Thank you. Take it away, Wendy S. Okay. Uh, Thank you very much, Amy L., for asking me to speak. Um, You know, I have been taught not to refuse service. Uh, And then I was told that this is a recorded meeting. And and I remembered that 10 years ago, I was asked to um, speak at Light a Candle. And so I drove up to Brentwood and, and I got there and I found out it was a recorded meeting. And I was like, oh. But I did it because that's what you're supposed to do. And during my share, I mentioned that uh, I was going to Korea and I was a little bit anxious. And uh, so I'm in Korea and I make an outreach call to somebody that's in the fellowship that somebody else had hooked me up with. And she's talking to me and she's throwing me a lifeline, a really important lifeline, you know, because everybody was trying to encourage me. Oh, this is the only time that you're ever going to be able to have this, that, and the other thing. And uh, she said, Wendy, you're having your own abstinent experience of traveling through Korea. And I thought, yeah, thanks. And she said, and I just heard you share on light a candle. And that was in Korea. So you never know. I never know what's going to happen when I say yes to my higher power, which I call God. Um, I really like the doctor's opinion. Uh, When I first came in, uh, by the way, I can't. Okay. I know that I've always had a problem with food or I've had a problem with food since I was a very young person. Uh, And my drug of choice as a young person was um, usually baked goods or candy. And I no longer eat uh, recreational sugar uh, in baked goods or candy. And that's been a process because uh, that's how it is. Anyway, so uh, when I first came in, I came to uh, AA. And so I'm 18 years sober. And what had happened was I had gone to a meeting on the Hill. I live in Southern California. uh, And it was a how meeting and it had just closed. So the uh, personal trainer I was working with said, you know, Wendy, it's just a good way to live. Go, go to this other meeting, this AA meeting. And he said, if everybody lived that way, the world would be a better place. And I thought, okay, I'm a spiritual seeker. I've done Buddhist retreats. I've gone to the Holy Land. I've done contemplative retreats. I've done all this stuff. Okay, I'll just, you know, add it on my list. So I went and I really didn't think that I was a, uh, an alcoholic because, because, you know, I just had a couple of glasses of scotch when my husband and kid went to sleep, but somebody had sown the seed of sneakiness is like one of the signs. Like if I'm drinking something secretively or I'm eating something secretively, that's, you know, a red flag for me. So I, um, I went and I started going through the big book with my sponsor. And this stuff was as dry as dust to me. I thought, oh my gosh. And then the doctor's opinion, we got to the doctor's opinion. And I heard these comforting words like, you know, I have this sister-in-law who's been 
I've been in the family for 33 years, married for 29. And she's been this big the whole time. You know, I, she's probably a size four or something. And I used to look at her and she'd have her cup of coffee and her single little dove chocolate for breakfast. And she was good with it and good to go. And I would think, you know, there was something wrong with me. There was something profoundly wrong with me because when I ate certain stuff, I was off to the races. I wasn't done until the bag was over and done with and there were crumbs on me. You know, my most embarrassing moment uh, was I was talking with my, uh, my husband's boss. It was, he was leaving work. I was coming in and somebody had brought in these, am I allowed to mention food? Okay. He had brought in these uh, breadsticks with garlic and uh, my nose should be registered with Lloyd's of London because I can smell something being cooked miles away, you know, and uh, somebody gave them to me and I couldn't cram them in my mouth fast enough and they were bouncing off my chest and he's shorter than I am. And he was just kind of looking at me with horror, you know, I couldn't keep it together not to do that. Um, so, so I go through AA, I get sober, I'm reading the doctor's opinion. And when I got sober, it was October. So there was a lot of candy out at those AA meetings. And I just had this feeling like, you know, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this. And I said to one of the ladies, and she said, well, this is right here in the big book, you know, some of us need chocolate. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. So I kept on eating and I put on the freshman 40. I mean, I put on 40 pounds while I was, uh, while I was newly sober. And then finally, like four and a half, five years into it, I thought this just isn't right. And there were people that were sober, but I don't know, they didn't look happy, joyous and free to me. And they look like they might've put on the, uh, freshman 40 or whatever too. So I didn't want that, but I had heard enough program to know about, hear the words about self-will. And I knew that I was powerless and I knew for sure that I was powerless when I was in a place in Arizona called the Enchantment Resort and they had a, uh, a scale in the bathroom. And I stepped on the scale and I think I weighed pretty much what I weighed when I was pregnant with our son just before I delivered. And that feeling of hopelessness, like there was no way I was going to be able, I did not have one more diet in me. I just couldn't do it. I believe I surrendered then. It took a couple more months. And a health practitioner said, let me test you for allergies. And I was starting to be able to connect the dots. And, and she said, okay, well, you know, and I omitted those things from my food plan. And then I just took this long circuitous, which when I look back on it, my higher power was there because I didn't go through the jonesing that a lot of people go through when they're doing the dance of, am I allergic to this or not? Because I just started eating really clean because I went to this other place and, you know, twists and turns. And, but then the light went on in the, in my head, the spark. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to keep this up. So I had already lost weight and I came into the rooms of OA 
for, I think the third time, um, only because I was convinced that I could not keep that up indefinitely. There had been periods where I had, you know, uh, eaten really appropriately during pregnancy or during Lent or, you know, I, or, you know, I was definitely the carrot girl. If, if there, I trained like it was for the Olympics, if there was a dance or, or a wedding or some soup, you know, special function, and I wanted to look a certain way, I just went for it, you know, and, and nobody better stand in my way. And I remember being on the radio, uh, I work in the Harbor being on the radio and I knew I was going to have to go to the pay and way place. And I said, if I don't lose a pound this week, someone is going to suffer. And that's, that's an embarrassment to say that, but that's who I was. If you lived in my domain, uh, I was itchy, bitchy and twitchy. If I wasn't reaching my goals and somebody once shared at a meeting that she was as addicted to diets and the scale as she was sugar, fat and flour. And I thought, whoa, and there were also other times in my life where I just didn't eat. If I couldn't eat the way I wanted to eat, then I wasn't going to eat anything at all. And then don't you love the concave stomach and, oh, my clothes are hanging off me and people are all concerned and, oh, you look too thin. Oh my, tell me more, tell me more. So, um, you know, I just had to, uh, I just had to recognize that this manifests itself in all these different ways. And, and I needed my fellows. I needed somebody that I could come clean with. So I went to this. Oh, I know. So I was, uh, we were going on a car trip, which is a trigger. And uh, I had made myself all these appropriate clean snacks and I ate them all boom before we left. And uh, I laid on the couch that was my last binge in July of, it was 13 years ago. Um, and I thought I wasn't supposed to have done that. I had gone to enough meetings and heard enough of the literature, even though I was only going, I was auditing the class really, because I didn't have a sponsor at that time. And I just was so arrogant. I just thought I am not giving my food to someone that's still eating like Dorito chips. And, you know, because I was little miss perfect. I was a raw vegan for 20 months and there wasn't anybody that was clean as me. And there wasn't anybody that's doing my, uh, you know, 10 minutes exercise and the way I did, I was little miss perfect. And then recently somebody had told me you're a perfectionist. I said, no, 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 no. I have dog hair dust bunnies in my house. I have, you know, you open up my closet. It, everything looks good from the outside. You open up my closet. It's, um, it looks like a tornado. I shouldn't say tornado with that, those poor people just endured, but I mean, it's super messy and, and, but I'm kind of the all or nothing person. If I'm not scrupulously perfect, then I just want to throw in the towel and start again tomorrow. And I remembered hearing somebody share what their sponsor had told them. My friend was bulimic and her sponsor told her, listen, you're just going to have to live with the days that you eat a little bit more and you're uncomfortable and just accept it as part of your journey. And I thought, whoa. And then I heard another lady share and she was talking about a forest. She was talking about how you're driving by and the forest is all lush and green. But if you pull that car over and you take a walk 
a long walk, you're going to see trees that were diseased, trees that were, you know, were burned by fire and all that. And I thought, oh, wow, that's really helpful because there are days that are not so perfect. You know, in, in the beginning, my abstinence was super, super simple. I was not allowed to have the nine by 13 pan of brownies. And I was not allowed to have uh, Albertson's bread. Albertson's has this French bread here. And I could not make this seven minute drive from my house home without eating half the loaf. And then I would be driving and I would twist the bag and throw it in the back of my car so that I wouldn't finish eating the rest of the bread. And then I would get home and I would cut it up and I would put it on a plate and, you know, wipe around, weigh the crumbs and act like, you know, it was all good. So hearing the process of how God enters into my life and God gives me the power that I need to now live in this house that's a mixed house. I have uh, an adult son and a husband and they eat all regular stuff and they're used to my eating my unusual way. Um, that is a gift. Uh, our son just had his birthday and he asked for what I would call contraband. He wanted me to make it for him. And that used to be one of the ways I would get approval. I was the baking diva, you know, and, you know, I, I worked my way into people's hearts and stomachs with, uh, you know, showing up at the plate or whatever. And I don't have to do that anymore, but I did not refuse him his, his request. So a day at a time, I ended up going to the meeting and, and got the sponsor and the sponsor was super active. I knew her from work. I knew who, what she was about. If I signed up for her, I was signing up for service. So we went through the steps. We went through the, uh, the 12 and 12 and I had been in a big book study for, I don't know, 13 years or something like that. I mean, uh, I like book studies, but you know, through AA. And, and so I kind of knew that and we're doing the steps and I do my fourth step and I do not want to tell her my fourth step because I know her. And, and then I'm like a dog and I bury the fourth step under my bed and then I put it in my closet and then I put it in that, you know, I'm just, and I was at a meeting and we had very few sponsors Sometimes God uses my character defect as an asset. And I thought, these poor people, they need somebody. And I'm, you know, I'm not very good, but I'm got a couple days more than they do. So I need to step up. So I gave her, you know, my fifth step and, and uh, it was so detailed. She fell asleep. She fell asleep. And yes, it was humiliating. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, I was willing and there's grace there. There's space for grace. There's, you know, so I kept on moving on and, and, uh, and then, you know, people ask you to sponsor them and some stay and some go. And I've met really lovely people along the way. And I've seen people die from this disease. Um, people that either didn't believe that they had it or weren't, weren't willing to do it. And the whole thing about working the steps and having my conscious contact with God, you know, every day and weaving this into the fiber of my life. Uh, during Zoom, I mean, during the pandemic, Zoom has saved my bacon and I go to a meeting every day. 
And it's not always an OA meeting. I, I do OA. Um, I'm in the Mind Your Own Business Club, Al-Anon, and uh, AA. And I, and I do it all to the best of my ability. Um, and I need all that because even with all that, you know, the saying, once you know better, you do better. Well, that's not really my experience. I know better and I still do not great. It's like my timing is just a second off, you know. And so then I think of, okay, well, this is a spiritual practice. So just for a day, you know, maybe I've talked about this with a friend of mine and she said, you know, maybe I get a split second more, you know, um, to hold back and maybe not say that unkind thing. And, and for me, the experience of my higher power is love. Now, my mother passed in, uh, in July and in the last years of her life, she told me, you know, you always have to have a last word. And I was so insulted. And I went into her bathroom to, you know, pause and pray. And uh, I wanted to argue with her. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's right. So she's, she's really in the last, uh, you know, weeks of her life. And I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I'm on a mission to, you know, mom's got to get right with God because she just does not seem in like a very good spot. And, and what about the, uh, what about the last journey home? And, and then I realized that she was having her own journey and that God was with her and it didn't matter, but you know, I still, I'm so willful every day. I'm willful. And so I said, Hey mom, I was doing some step work. Do you want to hear my, um, my conception of God. And she plainly said, there was no, uh, there was no hesitancy. She said, no. And I said, oh, wait, just let me tell you, it'll just take a second. And, and the, I'm forgetting to tell you the main part of this. When I would see my mom, I would be doing the hula hoop for a half an hour as I'm talking to her because um, she would be eating her dinner and I would be chatting her up and, and doing the hula hoop because I have ADD and it's really hard for me to sit and do one thing at one time. Uh, but I think that's one of my superpowers because God likes variety, doesn't make mistakes and we're all made a different way. And so I need to not be jealous over your superpowers. I just need to be grateful for my own. The two but minute I reminder two minutes. Okay. But when I, when I did that, I caught myself and I thought, Oh, I even did it to my mom. Um, I'm really grateful that this doctor was willing to step out on a limb and tell me that I have a disease. And it doesn't matter if anybody else thinks I have this disease. My mother didn't believe in uh, that alcoholism was a disease. I don't think she believed that, you know, my compulsive overeating or undereating or whatever was a disease. Um, but it's what resonates as true with me. And I find God, my higher power in the space of grace, the space and the connection between you and me. And sometimes I hear him in the shower. Sometimes a lot of times I hear him at the sink, him, her, um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, uh, to be here and to speak with you today. And with that, I'm done. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Wendy. 
Let me just pop to my format here. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please let, raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set up a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up, please. Thank you so much, Wendy. Thank you, Lita. And uh, thank you also to Laura and Stephanie for your service tonight. Our first share or question is Jennifer. Jennifer, go ahead. Oh, thank you. I'm Jennifer. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I, I'm sharing because I don't share and I need to share more. And it's, you know, it's this part of my disease that I think that um, if you know me, you won't really love me. And, you know, so I, I hide a lot. So I'm in these meetings and I'm kind of lurking. I do try to do outreach, but um, I have to take contrary action. And so that's what I'm doing. Um, thank you so much, Wendy, for your share. Um, you know, I, I get to hear what I need to hear when I come to the meetings. I know that that is um, something that I say and, and you, you, my fellows understand that. Um, other people, normal people, they don't understand that. Um, I'm very grateful to be in this program. I um, have lost, uh, weight in a way that I never imagined I could. I never could lose weight. I never successfully lost weight because as um, the doctor's opinion points out, I have an allergy and, um, and I like what the doctor's opinion said, which is that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. I never believed that. I never believed I had a problem. I was in complete denial. I didn't see it. Um, I thought um, I might have be carrying a few more pounds than I needed, but that I clearly didn't have a problem and that um, I was a normal eater. And so I had the blinders on for, you know, 51 years. Um, I, um, I didn't realize that other people didn't have cravings the way that I had them. And I, I struggle with that still, you know, I have, I still have craving. And so all I can do is use my tools and I've learned, you know, some really fundamental things. I, I pray, I meditate, um, I read the literature I try to talk to my sponsor really, really often. I've never done anything in my life consistently or um, with, with good practice. 
ever. I, I did everything inconsistently and I'm trying to change that and be consistent. So, you know, for me, it's, it's a miracle truly that I'm able to maintain consistent contact with the meetings um, and with my sponsor. And that's through my higher power. I, I don't know where this um, power that I have comes from. Thank you. It's, um, it's, the gift of the program. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And next we have Lita and after her will be Erin. Go ahead, Lita. Hi there. Thank you so much, Amy. And thank you, Wendy, for a wonderful share. My name is Lita. I am a compulsive overeater. And I just want to express my gratitude for the doctor's opinion and for this amazing meeting. But the doctor's opinion is when everything began to gel for me in this program. I never thought that overeating was a thing. I think, honestly, anorexia and bulimia have far better publicists and that that really gets all the news and that I didn't really understand I had a disease. I knew I was different than other people, but I just didn't get it. I The craving was ridiculous. The just the way I behaved. I mean, everything was nuts. I couldn't manage my own world. I couldn't manage a lot of pieces on the outside. A lot of things looked good. I had a great job. I had great friends. I had all these things, but I still had this on my own, my own Michigas going on that I could not make heads nor tails of. And worse than that, as I was getting larger, I was in more and more pain. Never mind the emotional pain, but the physical pain. I learned all about the word of the itis. I mean, you grow up as a kid, you know that bronchitis is a thing, and then you learn about arthritis. But I began to have all kinds of things that, I mean, I was like the queen of Google, you know, learning about medial epicondylitis, costochondritis, bursitis, and you know what they all had in common? Inflammation and obesity. And when I read the doctor's opinion, all came together for me because I finally understood that yes, a physical allergy that no doubt set up the phenomenon of craving, but in me also created inflammation, chronic inflammation to a point of major pain. And people had told me, you know, you give up the flour, you give up the sugar, that'll go away. And my response was no sugar, no flour, no way. And somehow at the age of 63, a power greater than me directed me to this program and had me read this portion of a book to go, holy crap, it's not just me. And delivered me to meetings with all these other fellows who, for the first time in my life, described the same thing that I was going through. And oh my God, this was the kind of misery that loved company. But more than that, this was a misery that finally had hope. Finally had hope that, yeah, I did broken things but I wasn't such a broken individual that I wasn't capable of recovering in some way. And that is the magic of what this program does. That is the magic of my sponsor. That is the magic of these meetings and the people that speak. And to the fact that I don't go to sleep in pain and I don't wake up in pain anymore. The weight loss, sure, that's a bonus. But the fact that I have gotten to chuck a bunch of medications and that I can smile at the world and be legit about it and today had a wonderful thing happen out of the blue. And I was like, thanks, higher power, added bonus. So you know what? It comes together. And I'm just a grateful camper for all of you and everything that goes on. Thank you. Thank you, Lita. Erin, you're up. Go ahead. 
Um, hi, I'm Erin, Recovering Compulsive Overeater, and um, thank you, Wendy. That was, thank you. You're a gifted speaker, and I really related to a lot of what you said. Um, the first thing I wrote down that I really resonated with right now in my journey is that it, mani it, mani it manifests itself in all different ways, right? Like the cunning, baffling, powerful, because I am 90 days abstinent today, and I am, I'm not recovered. I am abstinent in my body. I do feel neutral around my binge foods, which is insane to even say, right? Like I'm, I'm neutral around them a lot, around a lot of things that I lost sleep over the idea of giving up. Um, but my head, I, I just know that I'm not there yet. And I'm my sponsor after we read, you know, step nine in the book said, congratulations, you're now officially considered, um, considered recovered. And I like stared at her because I was like, but I'm, I'm not like, I know that I'm not. And I've realized these behaviors. And I had a big honest talk with her yesterday about like, if I showed you my kitchen right now, I'm lucky that I can close my cabinet doors. My freezer is like heart. I am hoarding, hoarding abstinent food. Like I go to the store now, like a kid in a candy store, pun intended. And I'm like, I can have this and I can have this and I can have this. Like, I'm so excited about my new world opening up because I have a lot of restrictors. So now it's like exciting that I get to eat three meals a day and snacks. And I'm like going a little crazy in this way. Like they're going to stop processing oatmeal tomorrow. So I better buy every individual serving that they have and like shove them in my cabinet and then leave them there for two. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so the, the crazy is still, I'm still obsessed with food but I'm not obsessed with my abstinent foods and it's, it's a better thing, but I want freedom. Right. And so I list, um, something that I've written in my notes that a speaker said, and I just loved it was my job is to keep seeking God because I got really discouraged and like embarrassed over, you know, like I have to show up and say, I'm on day nine. There are people here with less time and they're more recovered than me. And I just got like ego involved in it and blah, 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 all these things that don't matter. But I'm just supposed to show up and keep seeking God. Like my best friend is recovered alcoholic and she just says, chop wood, carry water, right? This is what we do. We do the next indicated action. We be honest with our sponsor and with the people we don't want to be honest with. And we when we read, like I had this outreach call yesterday with someone I've never spoken to. And she talked about two-way prayer and I did it to, like, God, it speaks to me through you guys. And that's why I show up to these rooms. And that's why I make these calls. And I did the two-way prayer and had a beautiful message. Right. So hang on if you're struggling, because the next day could be a completely different experience. That was just my experience. And I just wanted to share that hope tonight. Thanks again. Oh, beautiful share. Thank you, Erin. With that, we will stop the recording.